This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello everyone, it's your favourite podcast host here, Joe Redman, just letting you know that the TalkSport Fan Network is now proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards, registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in-play betting. Watch the action, predict the action and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. This episode is brought to you by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club is fighting for a chance at promotion. These two Hollywood stars lead a team in the midst of history in the making, while dedicated staff and supporters hold on to a dream of returning the team and this working-class town in Wales to glory. FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres September 12th on FX. Stream on Hulu. What a bowling! Scott Arfield! He's been threatening that recently! And all the Burnley players run to the Darwin end! Hello everyone and welcome along to the latest episode of Turfcast Podcast here on the Turfcast Podcast YouTube channel and of course podcast. As you can see, I'm joined by Nathan and we have just recorded a very special interview for you this evening which you will obviously find at the end of this intro um, with Matt and he is the, what is he again Nathan? He is the CEO of Ad Hoc Films. Yeah, he's a co-owner and he was the showrunner and or executive producer for Mission to Burnley. Yes, obviously, he's one of the main guys behind the documentary that's coming out later this week, um, as, as we're releasing this on Monday. Um, so you, you, you should be seeing this later this week. Obviously, excitement levels through the roof for the documentary. Excitement levels now through the roof for us, too, to see how the interview for the documentary will go. And then <laughs> yeah. the fact that we're going to go listen to the, sorry, see the documentary soon. Uh, later this week, but Nathan, really good chat with Matt Werner. He's a very, yeah. very nice guy, very open as well. And I was really happy with how open he was and how honest with he was about his documentary. Yeah, um, 
really fascinating chat. Like I say, excitement levels were already pretty high, and now they're even higher after hearing his sort of insights and what he what he felt and what he sort of got out of the documentary from himself. You know, I think I think we might slightly convert him to a bit of a Burnley fan. I know he proclaims to be a Sheffield Wednesday fan, but I think he's now got a little soft spot for Burnley now after uh, after meeting all the fans and the players and stuff. So. Yeah, well, when Burnley qualify for Europe at the end of the season, is Sheffield Wednesday are relegated from the Championship? I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he'd rather come to Turf War again. Sorry, Matt, but uh, um, but yeah, really looking forward forward to this season as well. And just talking to Matt, then it's made me a little bit nostalgic for last season mm. already. I mean, it's literally yeah. three months ago since the season ended. Um, but it, it's one of them seasons that we're not gonna not gonna see for quite a while. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a real good insight into into last season, but not just the football side of it, because there's not Matt was saying no. there's not too much of that in the documentary. There obviously is, um, but a lot of it's sort of like the inner workings of the club, the behind the scenes of the club. Mm. So that's gonna be a brilliant insight, isn't it, to, to what it was like in the club in yeah. probably, as I've said, my favourite ever season. Yeah, well, like I said on the on the interview a few times, it's like we don't get this level of access to we as Burnley fans. We you know under Dash he had a very tight ship. He kept he kept the training ground quite sacred and which is fine, that's how we wanted to do it. But for, for us to see the behind the scenes access at the club and, and the training ground, it, it's it's fascinating, it's exciting. Um and, and not only, you know, like we touched upon it with the chat with Matt that he could have probably put 10 Hollywood scriptwriters in a room together and I still don't think they'd have wrote it any better than what we had. We had the relegation, then we had Vincent coming in, then we had the shaky start. We had main character players not featuring as well as they should have done. Um, we had beating them lot twice, winning it in winning the title in their backyard, getting promoted yeah. at record points. And to be able to have it all documented that, like you said on the chat, you know, to spoil too much, but we can watch back and then in a few years time watch back with our lads when they're a bit old you know we can show them how special this actual season was so it it couldn't have really gone any better and i'm and, and i'm sure matt is now probably rubbing his hands at the absolute gold dust he's got on camera and uh yeah he, he can't wait to show all burnley fans from what, what we got yeah. from the chat can't wait to show it, uh, all Burnley fans. I can't wait to see it. Um, yeah. It's going to be a, a really good documentary as well. And we tried our best, didn't we, to get a bit of a sneak preview yeah. off Matt, but he, he yeah, was a did. little bit, he wouldn't let us see anything. So even we haven't seen anything yet. No. Uh, we're going to watch it at the same time as you. Um, Matt, we're telling us it comes out at 2 a.m. in the morning. So yes. if you are uh, uh, someone with a young child or you're going to be awake, you maybe get out. Because I finish work at 2 a.m. So I might potentially be able to watch it at that time. So, yeah, um, yeah exciting time. So, uh, Nathan, are you going to watch it at 2 a.m. or are you going to wait till uh, the morning after? I'm not going to watch it at 2 a.m., but I think I might wake up a bit early. I might squeeze a couple of episodes in before I go to work um, that Thursday morning. Um, I'm, I'm too excited. Like I say, we don't get this. The last time... I saw anything like this was Stan the Man on, on VHS. You know, most listeners probably listen to this don't even know what a VHS is. So that shows how long ago it was. So, um, yeah, very, 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 very excited. I mean, I'm just a big fan of football documentaries as well. And to now have one about my football club is, uh, yeah, very, very exciting. And the way Matt's described it and what he's found and what he's got out of it, I think, yeah, like I said, I think he's got absolute gold on camera. And I think it'll... It'll do well with Burnley fans, but I do think it'll do well with other football fans as well, which is going to be massive for us. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Before we get into it then, what's your favourite part of the chat? Um, I like... Oh, favourite part of the chat? They were all really good. He, he were just... He were really honest. He were really open. Um, but I, I think I did like how he got 
he, he, you could tell he sort of had his opinion changed about Burnley Football Club. He yeah. started this with a preconceived idea that Burnley are one thing. I'll not spoil it too much. That he had an idea. You could probably guess what it were, but he, he, we were one thing, and he's come away with it now with a really, really different, po- more positive outlook on Burnley fans and Burnley as, as a town, as a club, and as a group of people. So I think that that were that that will come across really well, and I think I think people uh, will really enjoy it because I know we we enjoyed having the chat with him, didn't we? Yeah, he was a very good chat. He's, he's a very nice guy. He's, he was yeah. very open as well. And he talks a lot about how open everyone at the football club was as well, um, including yeah. Vincent Company and Alan Pearce. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. My best bit of the chat, and I know from a few people who work within the club or around the club, have mm. said that Craig Bellamy can be quite intimidating. Mm. And then he himself said then, Craig Bellamy is quite a tough nut to crack, but he opens up yeah. as a documentary goes on. That was my favourite part of the chat. I'm looking, even yeah. though Craig Bellamy is not really, not like a a, a, no. um, a a cult hero at the club, I'm just looking forward to seeing yeah. how he comes across on the documentary because a lot yeah. of people have said he can, he can be quite intimidating. Well, there's a lot of like it's, it's almost everything just feels like a coincidence that it all sort of unravelled. Like, I know Craig Bellamy was in the news, weren't he, halfway through the season for some unfortunate issues yeah. with his finances, and you know we have the you know there's like loads of subplots throughout. I'm imagining there's a lot of subplots of the documentary that you know you've got the Ashley Barnes situation leaving, but he had the absolute honking run of form to the point where he thought he was done as a footballer, let alone a Burnley footballer. You know, and it's again, it's just all it's just all fell in line perfectly. So I'm excited to see um, how people are going to come across. And like he he does mention in the chat that we're going to see sides to people that we've not seen before. And I think that's really important for us as fans to see what our own club is like behind the scenes, but also other you know fans looking inwards as well. And I think it will give other fans a new lease of life. No, not a fresh perspective, sorry, looking at the football, new lease of life. A fresh yeah. perspective looking at the football club. No, I agree. Uh, let's get into it then. I, I'm really yeah. looking forward to, to the documentary. I, I can't wait to watch it. Um, I'm hoping you guys like this chat as well. I'm hoping it gives you all a bit of an insight and a bit of excitement ahead of the chat. Yeah and ahead of the new season as well. Um, but yeah, Mission to Burnley is a documentary, uh, as I'm sure you're all aware, on Burnley that describes itself as unprecedented access to the boardroom of Burnley, dressing room and inner workings. Audiences will be taken on a compelling fly-on-the-wall journey in a one-team working-class town where football is a religion in itself. Charting a rollercoaster period which saw the club lurch from the devastation of final day relegation from the 2021-22 Premier League season to the redemptive jubilation of promotion in the most emphatic fashion, the documentary explores Burnley's evolution under the stewardship of one of the game's most exciting young managers, Vincent Company, whilst delving deep into the bittersweet realities of striving for success in football. The result is redemption, with Company spearheading an unforgettable title-winning season in swashbuckling style. Let's hope you guys enjoy the interview. So, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Turfcast. Um, we are obviously going to be talking about the uh, infamous documentary that all Burnley fans are very, very excited for called Mission to Burnley. So, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what do you do and what's your company called? I like the fact it's infamous. It's not even been out yet. Um, so, uh, well, I, I'm co-founder of an independent production company called Adpoc Films. Um, we've been going for quite some time now and we, we specialise in sports documentary ultimately um, so we've done a few you know in boxing, football previously as well, uh, rugby etc etc um, and our focus is often uh, obdoc, 
So telling the story from behind the scenes and yeah, I guess when this one sort of presented itself to us, you know, all ears perked up and um, we were really interested in what we could do with it. Yeah, you mentioned there, mate. Um, sorry, Neil, you mentioned there, mate, you've been going quite a while. You mentioned a few sports as well. What sort of other other uh, projects have you been involved in that we might know of? So I suppose the four-year plan is one that's hopefully quite well known. It was the QPR one when the Formula One billionaires came in and bought QPR um, like 10, 12 more years ago. Um, so I followed them and, you know, I, I suppose that was that was infamous because Flavio Briatori, who was kind of the spearhead of that, just was eating managers alive endlessly and sacking them. And, you know, they'd it'd be a revolving door of managers there. And, you know, that, that caused a bit of a sort of stir, I think, because there weren't too many behind the scenes in, in football clubs at the time. Um, I think we see a lot of them now and that's great. But that felt like it was quite it was quite a different thing to do. I remember when when I was trying to put it together, sort of feeling like, oh, this is this is so rare. Like I've got such privileged access here. And also, I didn't want it to be about the team. I wanted it to be about sort of the hierarchy, which I think was also perhaps an approach that hadn't really been trodden very often, shall we say. So that's probably the main one. But, you know, I, I did one with Cantona about Man United. We've done the British and British Lions in Rugby League. We've done several boxes. I did one about a boxer in Panama called Roberto Duran. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a mixed bag in there of, of who and what we've done. Um, but it's really great to return back to behind the scenes within a football club. And where, whereas the four-year plan was a, a one-off film, it's really exciting that this is actually a four-part series now as well. Yeah. So, um, so, so why Burnley? That's that's been the question I think that through you know, amongst the fan base is, you know, like, like I've said to you before, we we don't get this sort of stuff at Burnley. You know, this is all very new to us. This whole you know exposure side of it all, we're still learning to adapt to it all. So, so why Burnley? Did they approach you, or did you approach the club? So I was, I was actually approached. Um, it's funny, actually, because several years ago we did a a commercial. We were doing some commercial work, and we had to go up to um, the training ground, and we 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 were looking around, and we we're like, "This is this is amazing here. Like, this would make a great doc, Burnley." And then we never really got anywhere with it, and that was that. And that that happens a lot, you know. That's not rare. Um, so then uh, I got contacted by an ex colleague. Um, because her boss was looking um, on behalf of Alan for a documentary company. So I was very lucky, very fortuitous. And um, I went to speak to Alan, and I I just wanted to understand what he he was after, what he was looking for. It's not always a slam dunk. You know, we get approaches, you know, and sometimes you just think, oh, it's not really the right fit. But I guess there was always this nagging previous feeling like Burnley's quite different. Hmm. and when Alan explained his reasons for wanting to do a documentary, I sort of thought, well, you know, that's half the battle, actually. So we sort of um, had a lot of to and fro. And it was actually during the time when Daesh was sort of on his last days as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that he was get Alan was getting a lot of resistance from Daesh. At what was probably a very difficult time anyway, so it's understandable for a documentary project. But... Um, once that decision was made, then 
you know, we mobilized cameras and just in a very experimental way, you know, it just felt like a good time to get cameras in. Um, and we didn't really know where it was going to lead to, but often, you know, you give birth to something and um, yeah. it takes on a life of its own, doesn't it? And that's where we found ourselves with this. Yeah. So what, um, so what was, um, what was Alan's pitch to you then? Obviously without divulging too much into it, what, what did, how did he sell it to you then to, to get you on board? Um, well, I think that Alan, you, you know, you pitch to him, he pitches to you. Alan is, um, he was nothing, firstly, he was nothing like I expected him to be. And I think that is part of the pitch, ultimately, funnily enough, because I actually felt like an audience member learning something new by meeting Alan. And that really, like, twigged something in me that, like, how often do we have preconceptions about the story of something in football and then actually you scratch the surface a bit and it's the polar opposite or there's something else that exists underneath it. From Alan's point of view, you know, he he sort of, he said, look, I've been here long enough now. I feel like um, I want to do something really special with Burnley and I need to use, you know, whatever I, I can, you know, whatever's in the tool bag um, to get messaging out there, to get the the, the name out there. I almost said brand there, which is awful. Um, to get the name of Burnley out there and um, to sort of to, to get eyes on the club, you know, because that's the only way you're going to get sort of more and more momentum. So I totally understood that. And, um, you know, from my point of view, you've got to be careful not to be used as a kind of, you know, I've got no interest in telling something that's been like propaganda or is like a half truth or it just isn't authentic, you know, and that, uh, that happens a lot. You know, we, I think we can sniff out those dots when it's like, eh, come on, pull the other one. Um, so he was he was really open and honest in, in his assurances on that front with me. And then that's why I think when we went into that filming period, that initial filming period, it was a test for both of us. He needed to see how we worked and I needed to see whether he was true to his word of, of access and, and presenting himself in a really truthful manner. And look, there's... <laughs> There's no hiding place when you're going through a relegation battle. Well, there is actually, but he didn't look for that hiding place. He was always really open with the cameras. He he understood that to, for this to sort of land, it needed to just to be really honest and unvarnished. And um, so we saw it very quickly that he was true to his word because that relegation battle stroke disaster was about as raw as somebody could ever present themselves as being, and he never backed off from the cameras during that period. Yeah, were you, were you surprised at how much access you got during that time? Because like you said, it's an emotional time. It's a tough time for fans and everybody at the club. And like you said, then Alan showed no hiding place. Were you surprised at how open he was and how open the club was with you? Yeah, I was. I mean, I wondered whether he really was blindsided by it at one point, but that's actually doing him a disservice. You know, you're just sort of thinking, well, does this guy realise just how, like, um, he's leaving himself exposed here? You know, because fans were starting to pile in, weren't they? And there's no hiding place, ultimately, though. So, but it wasn't that. I think he just, you know, he wears it. He wears it openly and he's got thick skin. He's not, like, he's not impervious to, to um, abuse or blame, like Briatore was. You know, that's the difference. He, you know, he's got feelings, but he also understood that, look, he's put himself at the forefront of this and he's got to own that. 
Um, but I was really surprised. And, um, but I think that that's where trust comes. You know, ultimately the best trust is when someone, you know, trusts you like he was trusting us. And then we don't abuse that trust. You know, we tread very carefully around it and understand the privilege of it at the same time. And I think he could see from us, our approach was really respectful during that period. But, um, you know, ultimately we were just reflecting what was occurring on a day-to-day basis, which was pretty bleak at the time. Yeah. So do you find that what, obviously you mentioned earlier, so what what you were capturing is was what was actually happening. You got a real, did you get a real sense of honesty from the players, the coaching staff, the, you know, the backroom staff, the, um, you know the the powers that be at the top. Were they did were they just really honest and open? And does that come through really well on camera in the end? Yeah, I, th- I think that players are always going to speak with a certain guardedness because that's where they're trained. They they don't want to be the one that sort of steps out of line by saying the wrong thing, and I completely respect that. But you know, like maybe some of the older ones, like Barnes, was a bit more sort of emotional about things, if I can put it that way. Um, and then the management team at the time, which was Paul Jenkins and Michael Jackson, um, they're they're you know they're in all sorts of a difficult situation, aren't they? So their job is to ma- maintain positivity. So I, I don't think that anyone was coming across like this is disastrous, and they were all they were all united. That was very obvious at the time. Um, and I, I suppose the only one who really felt that had the authority to kind of be a bit more truthful would have been Alan because ultimately there's no one there to sort of rein him in but you know I think the others would be guarded where they needed to be which is understandable yeah fair enough obviously we talked earlier about some of your, your other projects then where does where does the amount of access and the amount of rawness um, that you got off the people involved compare with Mission to Burnley and some of the other ones that you've done oh, that's a good question. Um, think that we've had really good access to boxers boxing seems to lend itself just they're very open but it's a very different beast with a boxer and a football club if you look at them as entities or even a camp in boxing compared to a football club it's just you know one is a behemoth and the other one is quite small and concentrated so even though i might say we've had similar access on mission to burnley to you know we have with boxers like josh taylor and carl frampton I would say the difference is, is it's just it's just vastly different uh, in as much as scale. Um, obviously, when I did the QPR film, I had brilliant access to the boardroom, but I could pick and choose my moments. You know, it was filmed over a long period of time. Um, I didn't have as, such good access to the the team, but that was less. That was more of an editorial decision. But still, you know, nowhere near as much access to the team on QPR as I did on this one. Um, so I would say from a sort of overall point of view, I think, you know, and we've talked about this, the, the team and I, this is probably the best access we've been afforded in any project we've ever done. That's good. That's that's really encouraging to, yeah, that's really encouraging to hear because I said one of my concerns originally when I found out about a documentary because I'm, I'm very, very aware that Alan and his team are very good at PR. They're very good at projecting what they want to be projected as, as you know, it's, it's their baby, it's their club, you know, now it's now it's their club, it's their image. So I was concerned at the beginning that we would actually see this sort of maybe artificial sort of look behind the scenes and we would see 
something that what they wanted us to see, not what we should see. So, you know, can can you say confidently that what what we see on camera is what we get, what you get in in real life? Yeah, I can. I mean, I think that's the other thing that, hmm. like, we've got a track record of of showing things that are slightly warts and all, hmm. and that's why I was, you know, I was delighted when Alan sort of approached us because <clears throat> it immediately showed that he'd. Well, he would have done his research and his homework on us for sure. So he knew what he was getting into with us. Um, you know, we're not going to take a project where it's like, you know, uh, very preordained, very sanitized. It's just not the sort of work that we ever got into this to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I, I, I think that the if I can give reassurances, it's kind of like look at the way we do things, and this feels very. Um, true to the manner in which we like to dig under the surface we don't like to gloss things um and i i do think that the access well you'll see it you'll see it is authentic it's real yeah and you know there's very little there's very little moments we weren't told to leave meetings yeah we weren't told to not film this that or the other so i can't think of any occasions and editorially we weren't being told what to do you know, we weren't told to take anything out or yeah. remove something, so it's that, it's it's all there. Yeah, that's good. That was my next follow-on question: is you know, did, did they have a say on the final output? So, have they have the club seen the final edit yet, or have you know Alan that's so, in the final edit? Or Alan has. Um, uh, I mean, we had to show Alan and his team from a compliance point of view. Yeah, but you know, it's with the strong understanding that nothing can change if it's not from that point of view the club um there'll be a couple of people who've seen the club because they're preparing kind of promotional angles on it but um we're trying to keep it as closely guarded as we can yeah um until thursday morning yeah well you're doing a good job because we've not had any leaks yet all we've had is little teaser teaser trailers come out so um, yeah, we've just seen the one that's dropped today with a few more extra shots and it just sort of shows, right, shows, yeah. a re- shows a recap of that relegation. So I'm guessing that's probably episode one, if I'm if I, if I was to assume episode one is going to be... Yeah, it's part, not all yeah. of it. Not <laughs> no. all of it, but um, yeah, uh, a, okay. a good chunk of episode one is relegation. Sweet. Yeah, happy days. Uh, what's, I was like, let's get into the club then and talk about the people that are in the club and the players. And what's Alan like on a day-to-day basis in terms of sort of like his runnings of the club and things like that? And also like a follow-up question to that would be, uh, I know you've already mentioned authenticity and how everyone was pretty real, but what, what were the players like? Did it take them a while to warm to the cameras and stuff like that? So starting with Alan, well, Alan is um, busy. I think is probably the best word I could, but but he's he's super hands on. Um, you know, he's got that kind of entrepreneurial spirit where it's like, let's all get this done. I'll be I'll be the one chipping in. Um, he he likes to be involved in absolutely everything. You know, I remember once being on a call, uh, uh, sorry, in the car with him, and he took a call about something at the club shop, and there was a queue that he didn't like the idea of a queue and. <clears throat> like he was immediately getting involved in this thing. Whereas any other owner I've ever spent time with would be just, yeah. oh, just sort it out. And like, but he, he stepped in and was like making it his business to sort this. Mm. It wasn't really an issue. It was his interpretation of it. And that's mm. fair enough. Um, so he's super sort of involved and hands on. 
Um, <clears throat> he's very busy. He, um, I think he, he works really, really well with all aspects of the club from what I've seen. You know, I think he, mm. he, he doesn't leave any department to feel ignored or detached. And that's, that's quite a, that's quite a craft yeah. uh, skill, I should say. Um, cause he's really dealing with a lot. Um, mm. so, so on a day to day basis, he's, yeah, he's, he's got a million and one things to do and he, he does them. Even when he's on holiday or the weekend, he's constantly on it. Good. Yeah, and, and what then, about the uh, players then as well? Yeah. So, so with the players, so I, I, I didn't film so much with the players. That would have been more our guys who are at the training ground and match days. So I, I tended to be more with Alan and they'd be more with the players. But obviously I've sat in edit suites for the last six or eight months. Um and I've spoken to the guys endlessly. You know, we have a team that goes up and up and down. We have a team up north, and you know, I've been doing a bit of both. Um, they've been great. Like that's that's always been my concern, players, because they're notoriously difficult. <laughs> um, they're a pack mentality, which can make it very difficult if you're going in with a camera if there's only one or two of you. Um, and, you know, what, what have they got to get out of it, ultimately? So they surprised me. Um, you know, some in particular were, were brilliant with our guys up north, became really good friends with them. Um, and I think the leadership group has a lot to do with that, that you've got at Burnley, you know, which is, um, I guess it's Cork and Brownhill, was Barnes, was it, and Cullen maybe, and Rodriguez. Um and I think that they were instrumental in just sort of telling the whole club, the, all the yeah. playing staff, this is happening. We're getting on board with it. Yeah. You know, these guys are kind of, you know, busting their um, nuts <laughs> endlessly working here. Like, show them a bit of respect as well. And, yeah. and it, it was definitely borne out that way. And, you know, any time I had contact with the players, I found them brilliant yeah. to deal with. Absolutely brilliant to deal with. Yeah, that, that's good. That's... Vincent Vincent Company said it a few times that he's not sort of ripped up the Sean Dash rule book fully. You know, he's yeah. still kept a lot of stuff. So that makes sense from that point of view that he's got a good that Vincent still has a good group of lads that are the core that you know are respectful for other people and you know they're, they're very professional in what they do and you know and then I think Company's just added added to that. So on the players, did you notice a difference from the end of? the Premier League season relegation in terms of um, like the group itself, the dynamics of the group into the, you know, the new school of the players. Did, did you notice a major change or did it feel very similar <clears throat> just with sort of different pieces in that puzzle? I think that it had got, I mean, I think there's no question about it. It needed a bit of a clean sweep, didn't it? Um, and with that probably were, was just a little bit of the legacy of the past was able to just, exit gently rather than be sort of pushed out okay. because I say exit gently because they retained as you mentioned some of the core players and mm. characters so I think they got the balance pretty good actually looking back because um, there was a high turnover of players and that was that was actually what was appealing to Burnley for Vincent you know I think he wanted there to be a, a, a high turnover of players so that he could bring his own ideas in, start afresh with those guys, not have legacy players. Mm. But you're absolutely right. They kept on to the right characters um, to enable there was just a through line 
you know, and it's referred to a couple of times in the doc. You know, Court, mm. Jack Court refers to it. And <laughs> they talk about Ashley Barnes. I won't spoil it. They talk about Ashley Barnes <laughs> and the way Vincent viewed him at, at first and how that then started to evolve, shall we say, yeah. as a relationship. It's, it's very... Um, it's very revealing and actually quite, yeah. quite funny as well. It, 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 you can see that play out through the season, can't you, actually? You, yeah. You, when you watch it from afar, you can actually see... I mean, I'm not seeing the documentary, I've not seen any of it yet, but I'm already imagining that at the beginning, relations weren't great. But as the season goes on, relations grow and grow and grow and you see sort of that relationship flourish. So it's pretty uh, yeah. it's pretty funny you say that because we saw that from a mile away. So it'd be good to sort of see yeah, yeah. the backstory behind that. Um, so we'll move yeah. on to Vincent then. For, so we've had obviously a major change of style of manager. It's quite radical. I think it's probably one of the biggest <laughs> radical changes in, in football, in, in recent football in history anyway, from what we've been from, what we've come to. Um, what was Vincent like as a manager in the training ground? What what stood out from, from you? Was he approachable? Was he... You know, quite standoffish. Was he? You know, what was he like as a manager when when you were dealing with him? I think Vincent's pretty down the line, which you know I personally really like. Um, he's not there to try and be everybody's best buddy, but he's he's certainly very polite, you know, and and very respectful. Um, you know, he's got that kind of you know he's from the lowlands and they're quite direct, aren't they? Those guys, but they're not rude. They're um, they just don't waste time. And I, I see that with Vincent a lot. I mean, he's a hugely determined character. It doesn't you don't need me to tell you that. Um, his focus is is just insane. Um, so he's quite serious in that sense as well. But you know, I think that I prefer that because you know he's he's there to do a job ultimately, and you can ask a professional question of him, and you get a really straight answer. Um, he doesn't suffer fools lightly, and I've seen that. You know, not not luckily not on us, but um, you know, he, he sort of feels like if people are wasting his time, or you know, like in an interview being asked a stupid question, he's he's got no qualms about sort of dismissing it, which yeah. again I quite respect. Yeah. Um, you know, the English would tippy toe about things a bit more, so I think that's enabled him to command a lot of respect yeah. uh, around the training ground. Actually, that that that's his natural being. But he backs it up. I mean, he works so hard. You know, like he is such a hard worker. It's unbelievable. Mm. Um, and you know, he's smart. You know, he's a very smart character who knows a lot about the game and a, and a lot about life and the world beyond the game, which is mm. really important as well. Yeah. So he's he's a he's. I mean, he's a pretty complete package. You could argue in in a lot of ways, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, I think so. As a person and as a manager as well. Um, do, do, do you think, with Vincent as well and the players, do you think there's a side to any of them that we might see in the documentary that we've not necessarily seen before? Uh, Barnes is a good example. Obviously, everybody thinks, you know, we like to call him, you know, uh, but everyone knows what we call him. Uh, you know, he's, <laughs> he's aggressive on the pitch. You know, he's, he's that type of player. Yeah. He's the type of player that you love to have on your team, but you'd hate to play against him. But then when you see these interviews of him when he was leaving, you see like a different side to him. Like Burnley fans knew it existed. Yeah. But say, for example, if a Man United fan watched it, for example, they're like, oh, he's actually a nice guy. Um, so yeah. Barnes is probably a good example of that, but, but I think Burnley fans would know. But is there any players or management figures that Bur Burnley fans might see a different side to in this documentary that they didn't know existed? 
Yeah, look, I mean, I don't, I don't consume Burnley Football Club morning, day and night from what's online. So I don't really know what's out there. But I've been surprised and learned more about every individual that we've shown in the doc. So Craig Bellamy is a really good example of that, you know, quite a tough nut to crack, perhaps, mm. um, but really reveals himself more and more throughout the documentary and, and is hugely articulate and thoughtful about the game at the same time. Um, and I would say, you know, Bra- Brownhill comes across fantastically well. You know, I, these are these are players that, you know, 18 months ago, I didn't know an awful lot about. So I, I wouldn't know whether you guys would, would already know this stuff, but from, I'm talking from the wider viewing mm-hmm. viewer's perspective. You know, Brownhill talks about the derby against Blackburn and it's, it's really, um, it's really engaging the language he uses. Um, and then we flip that with Teller coming in and Teller's like, I wasn't expecting, you know, I don't know anything about yeah. this, you know, but that's, that's also sort of quite revealing about a player that's landed in a different part of the country on loan and he's mm. playing catch up ultimately with some of the sort of local uh, rivalries. Yeah. Um, I do think Barnes is a great example, particularly as he evolves later on, um, probably episode four, and you see him and you see how he is, you know, he's interacting with the board quite a bit at the end and uh, you see him with other players throughout and you really see the leader that he he is. I was going to say was, but he's still playing, isn't he? Um, Just not for you guys. Um, And I think that's been the biggest shift for me about what I thought of this guy going into this whole project compared to where I, I, I feel about him at the end. And he was super accommodating, super friendly, you know, just just a really awesome character. And, like, you couldn't help but really, like, crave for his success on the field because you just knew that there was this character behind all of that um, effort, shall we say, on the field that, that had substance. Um but you know, like I, all of them come across pretty well, I think. Um, the, we don't we don't go massively into the players. You see them a lot, you know, listening or playing around with each other or you know interacting. There's a lot of changing room, dressing room stuff on this, you yeah. know, which is fun. You know, with, particularly I'm thinking of a scene with Scott Twine, you know, and you you, you learn a bit about him during that scene. Um, celebrations, I think, when they've got their guards mm-hmm. down, you learn a bit about them as well. Um, but we're not, you know, they're not the focus, these players, because, um, you know, we came in at this looking from the sort of top down and then we look at the threads that exist from there on. So players are definitely a strong part of that, but not everything. Yeah, fair enough. Um, it's a difficult one to ask this because it was such a good season, um, but not to use Barnes as an example again, but I think he's the best example of this. Was there any law moments, uh, not necessarily just with the players, but with, with, with anybody? I mean, the Sheffield United defeat could have been a, a, a good example of that. But I use Barnes as an example again because his form started quite poorly um, and there was a lot of time him spending out of the team. Uh, but then obviously he scores the two goals against Blackburn and he's a cult figure again and then mm. you know, and he comes back from it. So I'm just wondering if maybe in the earlier part of the season, you know, he might have been feeling a bit low and he might have caught something like that or Alan might have been feeling a bit low probably immediately after the relegation uh, or maybe Vincent after the Sheffield United defeat. Yeah, not not... I'm not going to lie. It's not. It doesn't feel like that. In that, I mean, there's two periods you're talking about. Ultimately, um, I mean, the lowest moment is the relegation, and it is. It's dark. I would say it's actually really dark that scene mm. um, that occurs there. And 
the interesting thing about that is really it's all on Alan at that point of the series. You know, you've got to remember the series sort of starts with, with, mm. with him and then evolves into Vincent and the team. So at that point, really, you know, we didn't really have a peg to put anything else on because, you know, Mike, Mike is great and Paul Jenkins, and they're fantastic and they're still there, thankfully, but they were only interim managers. So you couldn't really sort of hook it on them because they weren't going to be long-term. Yeah. But Alan was there for the long-term and he was the guy who'd come in and he's the boss, you know, and he's got, all this money on the line. So yeah. it's seen through his eyes, the relegation, and it's really dark. Um, and then the other sort of, I mean, there aren't too many low moments <laughs> after that, but um, I do remember sort of the stuttering start. And I remember like, you know, was it Blackpool? It was Blackpool, wasn't it? Where they came back after you, mm. you know, you were winning three, one at half time. And you've got to remember like, you know, when you've, you've, you've filmed, you've been filming for like, I don't know, let's say 10 months or whatever it was, uh, probably less, way less, uh, eight months. You've already got a relegation and then you've taken the punt to go into a season in the championship and, you know, things aren't really clicking. And you you do start thinking, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, how, how is this stop going to play out? Is there going to be any interest in a yeah. in a relegation and then a kind of flat line into the championship? So, from a personal point of view, you start to feel it as well. And that's, I know that's not the point here, but no. you know, everything kind of like gets magnified on everybody in all different areas. Don't they? When things are, are sort of faltering, yeah. I don't know the Sheffield United defeat. It did. It did. definitely. It's easy in hindsight. So it didn't wobble everybody. It did make me sort of think, Oh, this is going to be a bit of a up and down season. Yeah. Um, and it felt bad, you know, five, two was, wasn't great, was it? Um, it felt felt bad on holiday when I was sat with some Sheffield United fans watching that game as well. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm a Wednesday. I, I pity you there. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. We we did film a scene really quickly after it with Alan and Vincent, and they're just and it was brilliant. I'm so glad we got this scene because it was it was a tough one to get off off the back of a defeat, and they they kind of calmed me down because mm. they were like really Vincent was like, look, you know, these things kind of happen. He started to go into his kind of moments in his life where things have been really crap. And, and then you start to think, wow, this guy's got amazing perspective because <laughs> really they've been on this monster run. And they've lost the game. Big wow. All right. Yeah. Like that's, and there's so many games in this league. That's not irretrievable at all. And Alan was kind of talking about resilience being something as such an important factor. And I sort of came back from from watching that those rushes thinking, well, yeah, this is this is fine. These guys are fine. They'll, you know, they'll rebuild from one defeat, you know. And it is about it is about momentum in the championship more than any other league, perhaps. Well, maybe the Premier League as well. But, you know, you go on a if you don't stop the rot, it can really set in quickly, can't it? Because they they happen so quickly those games. So the fact that they they turned it around quickly after that, I think was mm. um, was really key, and and thankfully they did. So uh, yeah, it was it was all yeah. fine in the end. I mean, yeah, in, in terms of a season, even if, even if you were to make a film out of last season, I don't think some Hollywood scriptwriters have probably wrote it any better than 
what had happened, you know, relegation, new, you know, new change of style, new manager, and then you have your ups and downs. You've got your main characters developing, like Barnes is there. You, you know, you've got Vincent that's becoming a main character in this, not just for Burnley, but nationally as well. He's getting a lot of heat and a lot of attention, and then you get the drops against United. Then you go on this big unbeaten run, and then you get the two. You know, obviously, you, as you now know, <laughs> the two wins against Blackburn, the importance of that, and then to go on to win the title at their place, which is once, yeah. I mean, genuinely once in a lifetime stuff, like for, for them two <clears> results <throat> to match up perfectly where we play them and have to beat them, and then to go and win the title at their place and then, you know, win it pretty convincingly and almost win it, you know, in a record-breaking style. How, did it... it, it I suppose the question would be here. Were you, were you rubbing your hands at how this was unfolding to the back in the season? Were you thinking, I have hit the documentary maker jackpot here? Well, it's it, it's interesting. There's a couple of things I'll, I'll talk to, mm. refer to in what you just said. So so when I made the four-year plan on QPR, it was over a long period of time. And um, I do remember in that last season when Warnock took them up, Like I never really felt celebratory the whole time like it was only there was one game like in March where I thought like oh this this really might happen what was different about this was we'd already had the relegation which I find like I'm that's where I feel we hit gold that we got relegation and promotion in the same doc series like you might get one which I'd got before but I'd never got yeah. the two and let's be honest if they hadn't got promoted this season I probably wouldn't be there to get it if they did it next season it, it the fact it happened bookending one season mm. to another is so rare. So that's where I feel we hit gold. Um, but during the season, I felt, I don't know, I, I just probably like the fans. Like you feel nervous but excited every week. Mm. I remember when they won the lunchtime game against Norwich. Like I, there's always moments for me. And I remember that game and I was like, this is, this is a special season, definitely. Mm. But it was the West Brom game. Do you remember the Friday night game? The yeah. twine kick, free kick? Yeah. Just... That's when I. That's when I really believed. I mean, yeah. I, I just. I, I actually was at home that night, and um, I just turned to my wife and said, "They're going to do it. They're going to yeah. do it." And uh, I, I would never have said that at any other yeah. point. And it was quite. I think it was January, right? Was yeah, it January it was really or early on. Yeah. Yeah, and I just there was something about that comeback. Yeah. And the way that Turf Moor was that night, and the game, and the cohesion the team were showing. Mm. and the compose I don't know it just it, maybe I'd had too many glasses of wine but I was convinced <laughs> <laughs> I was convinced that night and I was celebrating like crazy I, honestly I Good. loved that game so much yeah, yeah. it was a great cracker that game you mentioned the fans there you mentioned Turf Moor and how it was that night How? what's your perspective on the fans uh, of Burnley and how did they come across in, in, in this documentary that's a, that's a really good question because, again, I refer to preconceptions and I, I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I thought Burnley fans were sort of died in the wool, a little bit um, uh, kind of just in their own little bubble. Hmm. Uh, Burnley, nothing else, not interested. Look, I live in London, you know, thought they were going to be very sort of anti a Southerner vibe sort of thing going on. All these things you just preconceive. Yeah. incorrectly I, I add you know mm. my ignorance is the biggest ignorance here but that's the truth and um every time i was at turf Moor, even people didn't know what i was doing most of the time even certainly at the beginning 
like used to get into amazing conversations found that every, all the fans were really like just really chatty really friendly um and like totally opened my eyes to a completely different um sort of understanding of burnley fans and probably made has made me question a lot of other fans that i've got look people can't be black and white about fans ultimately but burnley fans i find super friendly like incredible support like i don't i even during the relegation part of the, the filming i didn't it didn't turn toxic now mm. you know i was doing some other work um at that time which took me to ellen road a couple of times and it was so toxic at that ground during their their um, fight against relegation. And yeah. I was contrasting it, you know, like almost the other day at Turf Moor and it would be a, such a supportive. And that really made me, my ears prick up about like, you know, the, the sort of value of these guys as supporters. Um, and it was really noticeable. Yeah. And just the whole, like every message I've ever had from a Burnley fan since we released the, um, announced the doc, yeah. has been like really friendly really supportive really excited no kind of like arrogance about it no you know really humble actually which you know is funny mm. for a, a fan a group of fans that have been in the premier league for you know yeah. the best part of a decade so i i was really i loved it i loved my time at turf Mile. i love I'll, I'll keep going back and um i love the stadium i don't know i just i really <laughs> yeah. I, I i got a huge buzz for the town, the people, the football club, the stadium, everything about it. I loved it. Yeah, we we, we know what we are. You know, we we know we, you know, we all we always know that we are little old Burnley. You know, we we always accept that. I, I mean, I do. I'm mean, not speak for all fans, but I think the majority of them do accept that we are and always will be little old Burnley. We have our lovely little Lancashire town. You know, and we'll back it to the to the cows come home. Um, and and I really. I mean, I'm guessing this is why Alan wanted to do what he wanted to do, which was one to build, to to push out the brand. I don't like using the word brand, but he wants to push out the brand Burnley overseas and you know nationally as well. Um, and I hope off the back of this that what what you're saying it comes across on camera that we're not just a load of you know inward facing northern football fans. You know, we're actually a friendly bunch of people. We you know we just back our team to high heavens, and no matter what you know whether it's you know championship or you know, Premier League or National League North, you know, we'll, we'll still back this club. Um, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward yeah, to, to I, seeing I, that. Come I, I think, I think as a loyal, loyal set of mm. supporters, you know, honestly, Burnley are second to none. I think that when, when, you know, when you actually scratch under the surface, what you've got going for you with regard, like the training ground is incredible. When yeah. I, I've been to every training ground. It's, it's, it's really up there. It's fantastic. You know, the town, I find the town, the countryside, absolutely beautiful. You know, the fans are amazing. The stadium is, it, it stands up, right? There's, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that stadium. Okay, it's no. not it's not more than these modern ones, but I, I prefer that personally. So I, I was always of the impression, I was like, they're the underdogs, they're this, that and the other. They're kind of, it's kind of above that Burnley in my eyes. Um, and that's what it took having to spend some time there to, to realise. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of potential with Burnley. Okay. I really do. Yeah. That's good because we might. I think some fans do have that perception. Well, like I just said, I think they do believe they are little old Burnley. They always will be. So, hopefully, this documentary now will make Burnley fans stand up and go, "No, actually, we're we're ready to take on the big boys. You know, ready to take on anybody. You know, we've got everything yeah, in place. Long, we've got yeah. as long as you keep that kind of core yeah. essence, which you're describing, which I think is the real key to Burnley. Mm. You know, like 
you know, I, I, I can't speak for your, you guys, but, you know, we had, we had foreign ownership come in at Sheffield Wednesday and mm. it feels very alien to the club. And I don't know how I'd feel if it was a for, if it was another ownership that yeah. was from like a country state or a state nation. Sorry, sorry. You know, and, and I feel we'd lose our identity and that's yeah. more important to me than suddenly finding ourselves competing in Europe in four years time. And yeah. I feel that there's that with Burnley as well. Okay. I feel that they want to do it the right way, but you know, some fans will say, no, sod that. Just give us the money and we'll go for it. But <laughs> I, I do feel that. I feel there's a lot of heart yeah. and soul in, in Burnley. Yeah, yeah you, you get that. Um, so you, you talk about, um, let's say, foreign investors and stuff. So I want to talk about JJ Watt. Obviously, he's become... I, I, I still can't fathom it. So I follow my NFL you know, quite a bit. And when I heard the, the yeah. sort of murmurings, I was, my mind was genuinely blown. Like, he's one of the you know, best players to play the game. You know, he had a short career tainted by, tainted by injury, but he was one of the biggest names in the sport. So how 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 does that unfold on the documentary? Do you see quite a lot of JJ or is he deck make a brief cameo or, you know, what's his involvement in all this? I, I think um, it's, a, it's not, it's brief. Mm. I mean, he's in it. Uh, he explains, you know, his, his reasoning. He talks, we have him talking with Vincent, um, and the club, you know, the, the, the ownership discussed why they brought him in, which is yeah. actually a really good scene. Um, you know, I think that w- when did he come in? Was it March? Yeah, it was about March? that time. Yeah. So it's kind of towards the back end anyway. So there's, there's only so much you can do with it. Um, and by that time, you know, you know, we, we're, we're focusing on the tilt towards the title. So look, he's in it. He's got a couple mm. of scenes in it. Um, you know, if if we went into season two, who knows? You know, maybe that would be something we'd start to build yeah. up more. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it is it's mind blowing that JJ came in, and you know, when I first heard about it, I was like, Are "You sure? You know, um, how did this happen?" And uh, you'd be very surprised at the names that Alan sometimes just throws out there <laughs> that he's been talking to, and I don't know how he gets talking to them. That's the other thing, like. How does this guy get connected to just about everyone on the four corners of the globe? That's, but he does yeah. somehow. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it's obviously a sign of a good businessman, isn't it? Um, with Alan obviously being able to, to get a, a contact with anybody. But um, yeah, my next question is you, you said earlier you like Turf more. Um, you're going to be coming back. Are there any plans for a, a second season? Well, there are plans. Um, it's not. It's not confirmed as a no or a yes at the moment. Yep. I think what Sky want to do is see how this one does. Um, so, you know, we, we're sort of trying to keep the, the story alive as much as we can at the moment because the season started effectively in June with pre-season. Yeah. Um, so we'll see where it goes. I mean, I'm really optimistic. I think that a season, a second season in the Premier League with all of the plans that these guys have got, I think is really exciting you know uh, we could take this to some really interesting areas after the platform we built with season one um so it's, it's all i can say is watch this space because I, I genuinely don't have an yeah. answer for you the intention is yeah i would love to do a second series absolutely love to yeah it seems to to see to be a waste it seems to be a wasted opportunity to have this sort of roller coaster of relegation promotion and then not follow it up with what comes after you know 
the fault of the promotion, you know. So fingers crossed we see it, the second series because we've not even seen it yet, and I'm no, I, I know we'll love it. And I, know, <laughs> I know the fans will love it because, like I've said, we as Burnley fans, we don't get this level of access. We don't see this. We I don't think the last time I can remember it, you know, you won't get this reference at all, Matt, but. We had a manager called Stan Turner, and they filmed like this mini documentary in the Isle of Man and a preseason tournament, and that was about as close as we got in my lifetime. I remember seeing like the ins and outs of our football club, my football club works. So I know full well that there's a mass amount of excitement, and um, yeah, I, I don't think you need to worry about how it will go down because it will go down a treat. But within Burnley fans, anyway. And, and like I said, the way you're describing it, I think it will go down with football fans well as well because. Well, I, th- I think that would be the goal for me is like, yeah. you know, a Burnley fan is talking to a, a a Stoke City fan and the Stoke City fan is like, I really mm. like that documentary in your club because it's so partisan football. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to even just watch something on another club. And that that's always been my goal is like other fans could enjoy this yeah. and then have those conversations with Burnley fans. Like, I didn't know this about your club or, you know, I've sort of learned a bit more about the, the ethos of your club or whatever it might be, you know. So that would be pretty neat, I think. But yeah, yeah most Burnley fans are probably going to just enjoy the behind-the-scenes nature of it anyway. Yeah. You know, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, but it'd be great if it then brought other fans in to the yeah. conversation of Burnley, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think... The excitement is there because my wife's interested in watching it and she's very much football's your thing, but she's like excited. You know, we've got a little yeah. evening planned out next Thursday where we're going to get him to bed and then try and absolutely binge it all in one night and whatnot. So, yeah, well, you've, it's, convinced, it's, you've convinced put, my wife. The, so, <laughs> I put the total duration on um, one of my tweets or Instagram. I think yeah. it's three hours 40, is it, or in total? Yeah. So, it's quite a long sitting that. Nah, no problem. We've you, done can do it in <laughs> you can do it in the morning. Yeah, you can do it in the morning. It'll be, it'll be well, so it drops at 2 a.m. on the Thursday morning. So, yeah. you know, you could always get up and watch a couple over breakfast. There yeah. you go. Potentially. Right there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, obviously, we mentioned earlier you've done some other bits as well. Um, but in terms of, obviously, you've seen it. You've, you've been in the editing suite, as you've said. You, you, you've watched it. You've sat down and watched it. You know what this documentary looks like. How do you feel about it as a piece of work, like in terms of your work and where it stands with all the other stuff that you've done? Oh, wow. Um, it's really hard to tell. And like you get to a point when you're so blindsided by everything that you've been, you've, you've been like watching every single frame through a jeweler's eyepiece for six mm-hmm. months it's really quite hard. Some like you just go on instinct about what you think is good. I, I think it's good. You know, I think, I hope it's good. I'm not going to start comparing it to other projects because I can only really start doing that after about six or eight months (laughs) of it being out there. And I don't know how it will go down. Like you're only really hopeful it will go down. The only thing I can say is like, you know, we wanted to make it the way we've made it. So that, that is encouraging for me. And you know, I do watch other football documentaries and I hope this one feels a bit different, you know, where where we could make it feel different. Um, so I'd be, look, I'm now I'm at the point where it's like over to you guys. Yeah. There'll be people that hate it. There'll be people that love it. There'll be people that don't care either way. Mm. And that's what you just have to wait for to come back to you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think your final 
final word on it then sum it up in a sentence what are we going to get from start to finish from mission to burnley so briefly summarize it if you were, had someone in the room say in front of you that was umming and ahhing about whether to watch it or not try and try and persuade them to watch it what 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 are we going to expect from start to finish ha <laughs> wow oh you uh, well look If you take football as the backdrop, mm. you're, you're able to really create something deeper and bigger. And with this project, we are able to take the drama of football with its negative and its positive and layer onto that some really interesting characters who shouldn't, shouldn't exist in the same environment together. Mm. Alan, an American Wall Street businessman, with Belgium, a footballing great from Belgium, uh, Vincent, a footballing great from Belgium, they shouldn't work together. They do. So you start to see these sort of interesting chemical reactions between very interesting characters that actually, you know, is it even about football at points? Is it just about sort of people and how they interact and the sort of human condition at times? And I think that that's where this film re series really chimes for me is – You've got the sporting background, but you've got something so much deeper and more interesting that you can layer on top of that. Now, going back to that that basis, it's not bad to get a relegation and a promotion all in one series, to see that sporting undulation and ultimately end on a triumph and see the whole city, therefore, like celebrate town celebrating it. So I, I'd like to think that it's got a huge amount of, of depth to it as a series. And that there's something that people who don't even like sport could really engage with. And you can only do that through strong filmmaking and strong characters. So that's the way I would pitch it. Wow. Well, you sold it to me, mate, but I'm going to watch it anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not the audience. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's a, a really, really good place to sort of wrap this chat up. Um, we... You know, myself and Joe, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, and hopefully, this sort of gives fans. You know, so we're, we're going to get this out before the documentary comes out. So hopefully, this sort of gives fans a bit of understanding and a bit of, you know, gets them a bit more excited about the documentary, even though they already are very excited. So let's say we really appreciate your time, and um, I hope we can do this again after documentaries come out, and we can get your thoughts on certain things we see and how it's gone down from your end um but yeah we really appreciate your time and uh, thanks for coming on you want to add anything else joe no no just thank you mate it's been a pleasure obviously i've been speaking to you nathan's been speaking to you it's a pleasure to get you on it's a pleasure to to hear um your sort of like take on it all uh, and you know thank you for the work as well thank you for thank, thank you for doing the documentary on burnley you know, it's, it's going to be something that we'll watch i'll probably show it i'll probably watch it with my little boy now but i'm sure it's going to be something i'll watch again with him in like 10 yeah. 15 years for example it's obviously you might not see you that you don't need to thank me <laughs> you don't it's, need to it's thank me it's one of them things though isn't it like we, we we're going to have something now that we'll be able to watch for yeah. the rest of our lives so thank you for coming on but also thank yeah. you well, thank well, you for the work mate well, I, pre I appreciate that, but, you know, there's been an amazing team that I, I work with on this. And, yeah. you yeah, know, the series director takes all the plaudits for me. The, you know, my producing partner, Dan Glynn, and series producer, Pat Nathanson, the guys up north, James and, um, uh, and Adam. So, look, there's a huge amount of people that make yeah. this happen. Um, and, you know, you guys, if you like it, give them a beer. 
<laughs> get them a beer because um but also thanks to you guys you've been brilliant and you know i i just hope you guys enjoy it honestly genuinely hope all burnley fans yeah. really enjoy it and get something out of it i'm sure we will it was a hell of a season and like i said i'm just grateful that you've got it all on camera and we see it all unfold once again so yeah thanks for the time thanks for the chat and uh, we'll speak to you sometime soon cheers guys thanks a lot Cheers for listening to another episode of the Turfcast podcast, your number one Burnley FC fan channel. If you could uh, leave us a nice review on where you get your podcast from, it'll really help us out. And if you can uh, like and subscribe us on YouTube, uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. And uh, check us out on our socials, and we'll see you on the next one. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates have already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Ornament delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.